Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. How many ready for the main point? Main point. The main point today is connection is the purpose for existence. Connection is the purpose for existence. You can have all the money in the world. You can have all the nice things in the world. But if you have no connection, you are a very poor person. I've told people many times that I'm one of the wealthiest men that I know. Because my wealth is in my relationships. I have wonderful relationships. I have some of the best friends. So anywhere I go, anytime I... I was talking to to Aaron today. Aaron, I've got a friend of mine, Peterson. He's visiting our church today. Give it up for Petey. Yeah. And it's so funny because Aaron... Aaron in the back knows Peterson. He's like, Joel, how do you know Peterson? I was like, well, we went to church together. He's like, Joel, you know everybody. (laughs) And although that's not true, I have been blessed to have so many rich connections over the years. There's a lot of things that you can call me, but one of the things that no one could ever call me is lonely. Because God has just blessed me with so many connections. In this series, we're asking the question. Everyone say the question. We're asking the question in this series. What does it mean to be a people that God can rest upon? Well, today's answer to that question is that God requires a connected people for him to rest upon. We know this to be true because on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, it says that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all separate. Nope. It says that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. They were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the house that they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that that separated and came upon and rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language spoken. There are two things that jump out of me in this passage. Number one, they were all together in one place. And the other, they were able to speak each other's languages. I think this, when the Spirit of God 
rests upon a people, when we grow in connection with one another, I think this ability to speak one another's languages transcends this concept of national dialects. I believe this, this transcends just being able to speak each other's dialects, but be able to speak the languages of each other's souls. When we start to get connected and we start to grow in intimate connection with one another, and as God enables us and pours out the spirit of unity over our church, we can start to actually understand each other's languages. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I can understand what you're saying. I can understand where you're coming from. I, by the grace of God, can understand who you are. Because the Bible says that the Spirit of God unleashes perfect unity. He is the author of unity. He gives us the ability to understand one another. We know that in the Bible it says in Matthew, when Jesus was actually preparing his disciples to be aware of the kind of climate that the end times would be. He says that in the last days, nation will rise against nation and people against people. We know that the Bible says that in the last days, those ethnos, there will be an increasing tensity. There will be an increasing maliciousness between different races. This is actually a sign of the end times. The Bible actually promises that races will begin to hate each other even more than they already do. But what that was a sign of what was happening in the world. That's for you to be aware of what was happening or what should happen when the end comes. How many are aware that there's racial tension increasing in the earth? Anybody? Or am I the only one? Okay. Here's the deal. That's what's happening in the world, but the opposite should be happening in the church. The very opposite should be happening in the church where you and I could be of different races. We could be of different classes. We could be of different backgrounds and, and, and upbringings. But the Spirit of God can help us speak each other's languages. Do you get where I'm going with this? Do you see it? As you see the world increasing in its hatred between race against race, you're going to see in the church a love for one another. It is going to cause the world to be jealous. Throughout the scriptures, we find numerous examples of individuals who have shared deep, meaningful bonds with God and with one another. These connections serve as powerful reminders of the importance of intimacy in our own lives. Many of you have heard the teaching throughout the years that every person is their own island. How many of you have heard that before? Raise your hand if you've ever heard that every man is his own island. Anybody? Yeah? That could not be further from the truth of the gospel. The Bible says in in this message that we are all members of one body. And it's impossible for this member of the body to tell that member of the body that I don't need you. I love that the scripture actually uses the term need. It actually, it doesn't just say, hey, I don't want you. It actually uses the word, hey, I don't need you. The tr because the scriptures is trying to tell us whether we like it or not, 
whether we want it or not, whether even we'd like each other or not, we need each other. And just so you know, that is not just within this local church campus. That's within the church at large. Lutherans need Presbyterians. Catholics need Protestants. I am so sick of the church thinking that one denomination is greater than the other. Did you know that if you had a part in your body that split, it would hurt? Think about it. If I just had a whole gashing split in my chest, I might die. But this is why the church is sick, because there's divisions among the body of Jesus everywhere we look. This has to change. There must be an awakening in the church of God. And there must be an increase of our love for one another and our embracing of each other's differences. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 13, it says that for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slave or free, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. How many of y'all want to hear some examples of intimate connection in the Bible? Anybody? Yes. Mike. Yes. Yeah, Mike's with me today. Anybody else want to hear some examples of intimate connection in the Bible? All right, here we go. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> The first example of intimate connection that I have for you today is the example of Adam and Eve. I love this story. I love the story of the first man and the, the first woman. We so quickly jump to the, the, the part of the story that is the fall. We so quickly jump to God created the heavens and the earth, he made the garden, he made Adam and Eve, and then poof, we fell. But we actually don't know how much time actually occurred from when he first breathed his air, his breath into Adam, and then when he took Eve out of the rib of Adam. We don't actually know how long they existed in that garden before the fall. It could have been millennia. I don't know. Here's what I do know. What I do know is that Adam and Eve were the first intimate union found in the book of Genesis. We encounter the story of Adam and Eve as the first man and woman created by God. Their relationship symbolizes intimacy that can exist within the confines of loving marriage. God designed them to be companions reflecting the sacred union between Christ and his church. Their intimate connection reminds us of the beauty of unity in marriage. They prove that between us we are deeply connected people because the first woman actually came out of the man and now every man comes out of the woman. We actually come from one another. 
We actually share the fabric of the divine God. In Genesis 2, verses 21 through 23, it says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed it up and, and closed up the place of flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. I believe that this is deeply symbolic that God took the woman out of the rib because the rib cage is the very structure that protects the man's heart. I've heard so many iterations of this. Well, he was, she was taken out of the man's side because she's meant to be by his side. That's cute. I believe she was taken out of the rib cage because she was meant to be a shield for his very heart. The origin of women comes from the place that actually protects the hearts of men. I know this to be true in my own marriage. There's no one more protecting of my heart than my wife, Brianna. She protects my soul, she protects my mind. She protects my stress level. Nobody protects my heart better than she does. She does a better job protecting this heart than my own ribcage. This is encourages, oh, oh, are you ready for this next one? Everybody ready for this? So good. I'm so excited. Genesis chapter two, verse 25, it says, now the man and his wife were both naked. But they felt no shame. This encourages what I call naked relationships with one another, both physically, emotionally, and spiritually, fully revealed to the other person, yet not feeling ashamed. I believe that we can learn a thing or two about this connection. Because I know, yes, they were physically naked with one another and they were not ashamed. But this, I believe, encourages you and I to be emotionally revealed to one another and not, being, uh, not feel the need to hide. This encourages what I've coined the term as naked relationships. All of my relationships are naked. Are you uncomfortable yet? All of them are naked. Because I make the decision to be myself from day one. When you get to know me, you're going to know all of me. And for some people, it's been a bit too much. And I'm okay with that. But I don't have any secrets in my life. I'm a free man because I don't have any secrets. You can check my phone, you can check my tablet, you can check, you could watch me and Brianna in our secret times. Like, I have no secrets. I have no secrets with my wife. She knows every time I've ever uh, fallen into lust. She knows every time I've ever fallen into fear. She knows every time I've ever experienced anger. I have no secrets with this woman. I live totally naked and bare, 100% revealed with zero shame. That is the kind of relationship that God is bringing us into with one another as a church.
Are you bored yet? Good. Because I got the next example for you. The next example of intimate connections found in the Bible that I'm bringing to you today is David and Jonathan. How many know this story? David and Jonathan, raise your hand. Whoo! The friendship between David and Jonathan described in the book of uh, first, uh, first Samuel and uh, the first and second Samuel is a testament to the power of deep non-romantic connections. Everyone say non-romantic. Non say it louder. Say non-romantic. Some of you feel that you will never find any kind of connection in this life until you have a romantic connection. And that is not accurate at all. You can have fulfilling, satisfying, uh, um, emotionally it, stimulating connections that are non-romantic. Because the Bible says that in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, and it came to pass that when, and, uh, sorry, that when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that Saul, that the, excuse me, the son of Saul, Jonathan, was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved David as his own soul. Two dudes. That sounds like the start of a funny movie or something, you know? <laughs> Two dudes hanging out in the car, you know? The Bible says that Jonathan was his soul was knit together with David's and he loved David as his own soul. David and Jonathan shared an intimate, close connection, non-romantic, non-sexual. Some of you have actually in your life have almost been so afraid of authentic connection that you've had to rely on sexuality or romance just to get any kind of connection at all. But the Bible says that it's possible for you and I to be friends, for our souls to be knit together, and it not to rely on romantic means to achieve it. I'm just trying to awaken you to what's available, to what's actually possible. You can have friends that, that speak to the soul in such a way that you don't feel lonely in this life. I'm just trying to potentially, maybe, just maybe, I want you to walk out of this church with the idea that loneliness shouldn't be the norm. You still with me? I, I have used this, this, uh, this friendship between David and Jonathan as an example for most of my life. I have a friend still to this day. In high school, I made this friend named Chris Maniquez. Anybody know that name, Chris Maniquez? He's like a legend. <laughs> he is this, this short little Asian man who is quite literally my opposite in every way. And Chris was my first true best friend. I still talk to him to this day. Um, I'm just so grateful that I, um, I found friends like Chris, you know? You'll be fortunate if you find just a couple. But I can just say that in this life, I'm not alone because I got friends like Chris. I got friends like Stephanie. I got friends like Mike and Carla. I got family like my mom and Otto. I got friends like Lem. I got Peterson's here. I've known Peterson for almost 20 years. We haven't talked in a few months. I texted him the other day. Hey, what you doing on Sunday? Nothing. What you doing? All right, are you coming to leave worship? Okay. 
This is what I'm talking about. You can have this if you work for it. Because it takes work. It doesn't happen on its own. The next example I have of divine connection, intimate connection, is actually connection with the divine. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face the way a man speaks to a friend. Let me tell you something. I don't care how awesome your marriage is. I don't care how many friends you got. I don't care how wonderful your relatives or your family is. If you don't have a close, intimate connection with Jesus, with God himself, all of your relationships will come up short, empty, and disappointing. Every single one of them will let you down. You know what God is? God is relationship insurance. God is my relationship insurance because when I have a disaster in my relationship, God is my insurance. He prevents our relationships from falling apart because God satisfies my need so that I don't have to so totally depend on that other imperfect human so that when they do fail me, the relationship doesn't end. God extends my relationships and keeps them fresh because I pour most of my needs on him. So by the time I come to bring my needs to others, I'm not totally dependent upon them. In fact, God prevents idolatry from sneaking into my relationships. You'll see it in, in I've been able to counsel some marriages. I've been able to talk with some couples that are dating. I've been able to talk with friends with issues. And one of the things I've seen more and more is people start to put too much hope in the person next to them. And they're not putting enough dependency on the God in front of them. And then they start to say, well, this person isn't meeting my needs. I'm like, well, they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to meet all your needs. God is. <sighs> The Bible says in Exodus 33, verse 11, and finish that passage, it says, Moses, oof, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So Moses would have these moments with God in the tent, speaking to God face to face like a man speaks with his friend. And then he had this young assistant named Joshua. The Bible says that when Moses would leave the tent to go back into the camp of Israel, Joshua would stay in the tent. You want, you want to know what this is? I was, I was reading through this and preparing for this message for you. I heard a word from the Lord, not related to the subject, but definitely relevant. I heard the Lord say, Spiritual moms and dads, physical moms and dads, as you continue to have a face-to-face -face relationship with God, you are building a tent for the next generation to come and connect with God themselves. Just by you having a face-to-face -face connection with God, you're making room for future Joshuas to have a tent to stay in. Ruth and Naomi. Ruth and Naomi was an important passage because Ruth and Naomi, if you store this, if you, uh, sorry, this is an important story 
We know if you follow this story pretty well, you'll hear somewhere along the line that Naomi had tried to send Ruth away after they had some loss, some loved ones, some family members die. Uh, Ruth tells her, her late, her, her essentially non-binding mother-in-law, where you go, I go. Whoever is your people is my people. Whoever is your God is my God. You know what that's called? That's called non-marital covenant relationships. So you can have non-romantic, non-sexual satisfying friendships, and you can have non-marital covenant relationships where I dedicate my life to yours. If you're fans of Star Wars, anybody fans of Star Wars here? No fans of Star Wars here. Can I get an amen from somebody? Thank you. Good Lord. Come on, church. Thank you. Got some stormtroopers in the house. My gosh. I mean, she came prepared, church. She came prepared. She just felt the spirit of God this morning. Joel is going to include Star Wars in the sermon. Many of you know that I'm a huge fan of Star Wars, and you can see this lived out in the relationship between Chewbacca and Han Solo. It's true. Wookiees, these big, tall, furry creatures go like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah? If you save a Wookiee's life in the Kashyyyk Wookiean culture, they give you something called a life debt. And what a Wookiee does, Wookiees can live three to 500 years. So what they'll do is they'll give a life debt to another creature that they know will most likely not outlive them. And for the remainder of that other creature's life, the Wookiee is dedicated to their service. It's a non-marital covenant relationship. I have actually some of these in my life. One of the people that I have decided to do this with is my actual current boss my, and friend. His name is Walt Walker. I've told Walt that, hey, wherever you go, I'm dedicated to your success. I have tethered my life to yours. If you and I are working separately, I'm still going to be available to make sure that you succeed. I'm dedicated to your service, regardless if you are blessing me or not. These kinds of relationships are the kinds of relationships that stand the test of time. You know, Walt has quickly become one of my best friends. And he's my employer. He's my boss. But he knows that regardless if I'm working for him or not, I'm 100% dedicated to success. And he, in turn, is dedicated to mine. Working for Walt for three and a half years, that man has doubled my salary. Doubled. Of course, I worked for it. You know what I mean? But it existed within this covenant relationship. The last example that I have is Jesus and the disciples. Jesus and the disciples, um, this is actually where the key passage of today exists. Then the apostles gathered around Jesus and told him everything. You ever had some seasons, you ever had some moments where you just got to tell Jesus everything? You know? I think we think that God, because he already knows what's going on in our situation, that he doesn't appreciate when we tell him everything. We just kind of assume that because he already knows everything, well, then why bother? 
In that moment, you have forgotten the very reason of your existence. God created you so that you could talk to him. That's the whole reason why he created you in the first place. He created you for his pleasure. And he gets so much pleasure when you choose to tell him everything. Everything you're going through. Everything that happened to you today. The disciples gathered around Jesus and told him everything that they had done and taught. And then he said to them, come with me privately to an isolated place and rest a while. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30 and 32, we know that the disciples had gone out and, you know, ministered to people, done this thing called ministry, and they're coming back to tell Jesus everything they've done, everything they taught. And he's like, that's great. I'm so glad for all the things you've done for me. Now it's time for you to come hang out with me. He says, hey, I appreciate everything you've done, everything you've taught, but now... In his very words, come with me privately to an isolated place and rest a while. That's so like Jesus. He's just like the most non-burnout person ever. You know? He's so sensitive to our limitations. He's so aware of how much is actually in our tank. I just, I, just, I just feel like this is prophetic. Like Jesus is just telling some of you, hey, just come with me in a private place. Let's just rest a while. Let's have the prayer team come on up. Abraham, you too. Come on up. We're going to pray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever signed up for prayer. Yeah, let's go. Can you turn that up a little bit, Aaron, please? The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 17, it says in verse 11 and in verse 21, I will remain in the world no longer. But they're still in the world. This is Jesus talking to the Father. And I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me. So that they may be as one as you and I are one. John 17, 21 says, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and as I am in you, and I pray that they may be in us so that the world will know and believe you sent me. This is so important for you to capture and realize that within the relationship of the Godhead Trinity, Jesus and the Father have had an intimate connection all the way to eternity past 
with no beginning. Jesus and the Father have been intimately connected with one another for forever past. And they never met each other. They always were. And Jesus is saying that that same level of intimate connection that I have with my dad, Father, make them one just as you and I are one. That means it's possible for us to have Trinitarian connection. It's possible for you and I to have the same level of unity that Jesus has with the Father, that the Father has with the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has with the Son, Jesus. You wanna know why? Because the prayers of Jesus will be answered. So I'm pretty confident that the Father, if there's anybody whose prayers the Father wants to answer, it's Jesus. And when Jesus says, Father, make them one as you and I are one, those are chips you can bet on. That's a bet I'm willing to take, that he will make us one the same way Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. That he'll make our marriages one the same way the divine Godhead is one. That he'll make our relationships with our husbands, wives, sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, cousins, brothers, sisters, that he'll make us one. The Father and Jesus have had a connection since eternity past with no beginning. And that is the level of connection that he wants the church to walk in. So what does it mean to be a people that God can rest upon? It means to be a people that are connected as one. So why don't you gonna stand to your feet? <sighs> I love it when a sermon works out, you know? It's like you're just kind of worried, like, oh man. <laughs> I hope I don't forget any points. God is inviting you to a deeper level of connection with your neighbors, with your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, co-workers, husbands, wives, spouses. He's inviting you, mothers, daughters, sons. He's inviting you into more intimate connection. And let me tell you something about intimate connection. It is hard. It is difficult. But you know what? It's worth it. Vulnerability is hard, but it's worth it. Intimacy is hard, but it's worth it. Because connection is the purpose of existence. It's the reason why we breathe. Without connection, we have no reason to wake up tomorrow. But with connection with God and with others, we are a wealthy people. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to TRPFamily.com.
www.sharpshoot.org.